And good morning. Welcome to the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren. I'll be your host for an hour, and I have a very special hour for you today. Our guest this morning is an author with a tremendous body of work that he brings before us. He brings us this hour his latest novel from but one of his ongoing series works. The Fear Collectors is from his Instinct series. Your prologue today, though, is as much about the writer as it is his novel. The newest offering teams up two strong-willed professionals, a veteran detective and an FBI profiler, to track down those responsible for a series of heinous murders. Their quest leads to a Florida prison's death row, where three convicted psychopaths may well hold information about a very terrible enterprise. Many twists and turns engage the reader in this captivating tale. The Fear Collectors by Robert W. Walker is the latest of over 60 published novels by this very prolific writer. The word prolific is not used lightly here. Prolific is defined as producing much output or abundantly productive. Our guest today truly qualifies for being described as prolific. Now, why do I say that? Writing up to two, sometimes three novels per year for a sustained period of time qualifies him as prolific. And we're talking novels, not just little paper novellas or blogs or things like that. These are solid works, over 300 pages per book. And that averages out to about 100,000 words in each book. Now, friends, that's prolific. That is abundantly productive. His main bodies of work are two extended series, the Instinct series and the Edge series. His first work was published in 1979. Our guest currently teaches English at West Virginia State University, and he joins us tonight from Charleston, West Virginia. Please welcome Robert W. Walker. Hey there, Rob. How are you doing this morning? Hello. Uh, thank you for that uh, excellent, wonderful introduction. Oh, well, goodness, you've earned it, all the work you've done. Sixty novels. That's not too bad for somebody that's only 178 years old. Yeah, well, uh, I, uh, I started young. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I novel, kid you a little uh, bit, but most most of us would take at least that long to get to to get to that many. But at any rate, uh, it is right. quite a body of work. And uh, before we really go too far, how about telling the folks where they can actually go and look at all that you've done. I know you've got a website. Would you tell us about that? Yeah, the website is uh, robertwalkerbooks.com. Uh, um, I have a presence on Facebook uh, and uh, Twitter. Um, I had a, uh, in the last uh, number of books I've uh, published myself on the Kindle. Um, um, actually, all of my books are up on Kindle now. I, I published 40 with uh, New York City and uh, 20 since then. Since 2010, I've done like 20 books on I've uh, been able to just publish myself. So the, um, the last uh, few years, five years or so, I've been very prolific. Um, that, that, that gives me the opportunity to publish at, at, on my schedule rather than waiting for a publisher's schedule. Oh yeah, that I'm very aware of that. That does speed the process up. Uh, so you're a big believer in you're a believer in Kindle. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, uh, 
devoted to it, so to speak. I've, uh, I've created uh, original work for Kindle, so it's, um, it's something that uh, I sort of threw my heart and soul into. Uh, I read recently that uh, the Kindle sales are actually slowing down across the country. Now, that's not pointing at you, but, uh, yeah. you know, that was expected to completely just wipe out small bookstores, paper books, uh, yeah. and yet uh, the news is saying that uh, the Kindles are actually slowing down. How, what, do you, what do you attribute that to? Anything? Well, I think their new program, the Prime, Prime program, uh, it's kind of like the, well, you, you know, when you buy into a, Netflix or something like that, and uh, uh, the, the money the flow uh, slows down. But uh, I think that last pro- the program, the Prime program, has not uh, been as beneficial to writers as it has to Amazon. However, uh, um, there are some there are many benefits to uh, publishing on Kindle that uh, people aren't aware of. Most of most you know if you publish with the traditional publishers and you publish with Amazon, you can, you can kind of weigh, that, weigh up the differences. And some of the things that I like about it are, are my control. Um, you know, I, I work with an editor still, but uh, I still have much more control over titles, cover art, um, publication date. I can get the book published as soon as I'm finished with it rather than, you know, putting it on a schedule where it's going to come out in two years. Hence, uh, oh, yeah. So there's some You've advantages. got... Well, you know from what you speak too. You've got three. Is it three that are with Harper Collins? Yeah, um, I'm still uh, published with Harper Collins with the City City for Ransom, uh, Shadows in the White City, and the uh, City City of the Absent. That was the trilogy. Um, and then um, uh, they, they they didn't want another fourth book, so I, uh, I took the fourth book to Kindle. And continued with that character. So, uh, what's lovely about Kindle is I can continue with the character even though the publisher is done with them. I'm not done with them, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, put on, I put them on the Titanic in a book called Titanic 2012, uh, Curse of RMS Titanic. And uh, I wanted to, I always wanted him to go down with the Titanic. He lived in 1893, uh, where the books, the, this, the trilogy opens in 1893, Chicago. Irish cop detective, uh, kind of like a Sherlock Holmes, uh, uh, stumbling, stumbling through Chicago. Well, you know, you've got with sixty books. That, am I, is my count correct? Sixty currently that are that are out there published. Yeah, I'm working on sixty-one, which is uh, the next instinct title. I, I, that's, that's another thing. The publisher with my instinct books uh, quit on me, you know, after a certain number of books and. Uh, had to do with a, a dispute between my agent and my editor, and I, I got caught in the middle. Anyway, uh, I'm able to continue the series thanks to Kindle. So I, I have a lot of gratitude toward Kindle. Um, it, it, that's an opportunity a publisher writers never had before. Once you had an instant plus series go uh, um, by the wayside, out of print, there was nothing you could do with it. Nobody wanted it, you know. So... I take, I get the rights back. I put it back on Kindle and give it new life, and a new generation can read those books. Absolutely. Right. Now I've got to ask you: with such a large body of work, how in the world do you keep everything straight in your mind when you're working on something new? I don't know how my mind does it. <laughs> Sometimes I I ask myself those questions, uh, but it's really strange. I, I go back to a series, and I know those people so well. 
you know, particularly the main characters, uh, Jessica Coran in the Instinct series, medical examiner. Um, she's she's gone through like a whole life experience. She hasn't uh, maintained. She hasn't like remained the same. You know, James Bond is James Bond. James Bond is James Bond. Is James Bond. We throw that. You know, the author throws different things at him. Uh, but the the growth of of a character I find interesting. You know, she she almost marries. She falls apart. She has uh, depression periods. Depression. She. She uh, raises up from there and lifts herself up. Uh, it goes on, you know. So um, I kind of, I kind of know these characters so well that once I revisit them, it's like visiting family, uh, and they they kind of come back full, full blown. You know? Oh yeah. I don't you know. know you mentioned Jesse. You mentioned Jesse. She is uh, one of the characters in the new book that's out that we mentioned. It's called the Fear Collectors. And with her is uh, another female. Both both of the main characters in this are female. Um, you've got a theory that you teach, and you also seem to employ quite frequently. Uh, you teach the writers to write about the opposite of themselves. Tell us a little bit more about that. If you challenge yourself, you write to your opposite. You know, you're you're white. You write a black character. You're uh, American. You, you write an East Asian character. Um, you're, uh, you know, I, I've done I've set books in Cuba, London, Hawaii. Um, uh, you're, you you live in a, a, you know, suburban American community. You you want to challenge yourself by going out to another setting that's exotic to you, yeah. and then it forces you to really do some research. Number one. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, yeah, that would force you to really get into the uh, get into the characters and find out how they think and what motivates yeah. them. And when I travel, if I go to a place like Hawaii, I, I get so fascinated with it, I want to carry it home. So I, I, I just load up on the local uh, newspapers and the local books and anything that's selling in the in the cigar store there. Um, that's uh, like a, a local legend stories, and um, I, I sort of. Like when I got back from Hawaii, uh, I was still working with Hawaii for another year when I was setting the one of the instinct books there. The primal instinct was set in Hawaii. Cheap way to get there, um, but I had to map out everything, you know. And I didn't know the territory. I was only there like ten days, so you can't really see everything. But uh, a lot of my experiences, I was able to use while I was there. Uh, being Goodness, there, that, that that's the way to get experience. Go to Hawaii. Uh, nice, nice yeah, place I, for research. I almost got kicked off the uh, tour bus because I could. We'd, we'd pull up to a place uh, that was a sightseeing place, and I would say a little too loud. Uh, what a great place for a killing! <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, I'm uh, sure they were, appreciated that. And the tour, but, the tour guide turned out to be uh, a retired um, Hawaii Five O, uh, retired from 40 years with the police force. So I spent more time with him than I did with my wife. <laughs> I bet so. You know, I got I got to stay I got to stay on this idea. How many books you put out? I mean, producing two, maybe even three a year. Uh, I I interview a lot of writers, and I've gotten to know quite a number of writers in my time doing this. And most of them don't even like they don't like to read somebody else's work or anything while they're working on a new book. With the vast body of work that you have, how in the world do you keep from influencing yourself in the plots or or even in the character development? How do you keep that apart? 
I've had this argument about plagiarizing oneself, you know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you need an autopsy scene, you can go back to some, a previous autopsy scene and you know, you know, just twist it a little bit better. Uh, but uh, I do a lot of research. If, if the topic is, I try to make each, even each series title, uh, something new. So, you know, something uh, something that hasn't been done or, or, or a lot of attention paid to it in the, in the field of forensics. Medical, uh, medical research. So I do a lot of nonfiction reading in order to um, make my stuff more interesting. I, 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 I like to have, say that no, no two autopsies are alike, you know, and that's part of her, her interest in doing her work. That uh, it's always, it's always a surprise. There's always a surprise in an autopsy, and um, uh, I just had this argument uh, with with a librarian that you, you can't really plagiarize yourself. She says, yes, you can. Yes, you do. And, and there's software that proves it. <laughs> well, it might not be might not be legal to plagiarize yourself, but it sure can cost you some readers if, if you do it too yeah. often. Oh, if you do it, you know, like for the whole book. But, but if you do it for, like, segments, uh, for instance, um, something you want to get across, you know, a message about homelessness. And it's there you go. One, one book, and you want, you want to perpetuate that message. Uh, that sort of well, thing. folks, we're... We are here this morning. We've got Robert W. Walker, a very prolific writer with us. He's here with all of his books, actually, but primarily with The Fear Collectors. And I'm Doug Dahlgren. This is your prologue. We will be back after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we are back. This is your prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren, and we're here on America's Web Radio. Our guest today is Robert W. Walker. He brings to us a catalog of 60 published works 
The main book we're here to talk about this morning is his latest of the Instinct series called The Fear Collectors. Now, Robert, with 60 published works, and I'm just looking for a wag here, and folks, I didn't want to say it out loud, but a wag is just a wild-ass guess. But of all that work, how many notable characters do you think you created? Uh, notable main characters, I would say eight uh that repeated characters of series. I think I hold a record of the number of series written. Um, I've got eight, if you count my uh, you know, three-volume work, my historical, I, I write historical novels, and they'll run to three volumes, uh, Children of Salem, Annie's War, uh, it's about the Civil War, um, and uh, some of my young adult books. Uh, so if you count the Young adult books as a series. Uh, it's a, it, that's where you have a coming of age uh, young adult boy uh, comes of age, learns something about the Underground Railroad or his his people. It could be a American Indian story, or it might be uh, Vikings. Uh, I like to do those those kind of coming of age stories for the twelve and up crowd. It's the kind of stuff I grew up on. I also did one on the Cherokee Indians in the Civil War called the Red Path. When I do those, uh, the, the adult one, the adult historicals will run to three three volumes. The uh, young adult will run just a very short book, like 100, 200 pages. Okay. Uh, the characters, had, uh, though, did I hear you, did I hear you say eight? I've got eight repeating main characters. And then there's so no these are... path, but those characters always have a web of uh, relationships and friends and co-workers, and if it's a detective, he'll have a, a detective squad that he works with. It's a, in the Instinct series, he works with the Behavioral Science Unit, so there's others that, that return, returning uh, characters. So if you multiply eight by three or four, you might get a number 24, 25 that, that recur. Okay. Now, yeah, in that answer... Yeah. I try to make each character very distinct, uh, even down to their speech patterns. In in that answer, I heard you describing some of the different uh, types of work. How would you describe your genre, uh, or is are there several that you actually dabble in? Yeah, uh, well, the Instinct series is crime novels, uh, suspense. Uh, Edge series is crime novels, more uh, street street level, whereas the Instinct is more the forensics and the science. Uh, he gets involved. The uh, Dean Grant Medical Examiner series was a precursor of the Instinct series, and that, uh, that's a, also a crime novel. And then I do some horror, like uh, I have a series called Blood Scream series, which is pure horror. And I, that's dealing. With, I grew up with the uh, you know the monsters, Frankenstein, vampires, uh, the old the old world monsters. You know the ones that are not going to be kissy kissy that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it won't be like Twilight. Uh, it'll be uh, legitimate monsters, creatures. And I've got six in that series. And I just finished one in that series, which really kind of disturbed me badly. It was, it's called Random Violence. And then I've got this Cy Blue character. There's a psychic uh, Cy Blue and Deja Blue. There's only two books in that series. It didn't sell too well, so I didn't continue it much. I've got this decoy series where the cop is a decoy cop, 
and that, that's got four books in that series. Uh, and and I, you know, I can go back to these characters and just revive. Or if I, if I read the last uh, uh, chapter or two in the last book, and I just figure out where, where did I leave off. Where'd you leave that guy and let's carry him forward, or that gal or whoever understood? Yeah. Well, listen, Usually, this, uh, this, this, yeah. I get into very much uh, human nature and relationships. Most of my characters are involved in relationships as well. That's part of you my know, th- this might be a this might be a good place for us to kind of back up a little bit here and tell the listeners who is Robert W. Walker. Where are you from, and where did you grow up? Yeah, most writers like to stay behind the book uh, and off stage. Uh, well, I grew up in Chicago, and I always felt that if I don't write about crime, I'll be going into crime. <laughs> so, uh, as a child, uh, my parents uh, moved us up to Chicago for work after World War II. So, at the age of four or five, I started kindergarten in Chicago, and uh, and so I, I I grew up there, and my first. I first started writing in about seventh grade, sixth grade, and I wrote my first novel in high school. And the, the novel actually got me a scholarship to Northwestern University out of inner city Chicago. Uh, and to Northwestern was culture shock um, and, and education shock. And, uh, I thought I was pretty smart until, <laughs> until I got to a uh, four-year uh, university and try to hang on to that scholarship. So, but to get that scholarship in writing was very rare. For my writing. Oh yeah, that was, absolutely. That was very, very, uh, your they, your they, books, the books in the series, uh, have a lot of violence in them, and and you you describe it quite well. Do you think that your upbringing in Chicago does that city project itself into your work? I'll tell you, when I was a very young child, there there were opportunities for me to be killed. You know, quite a few times I got into circumstances that I, I shouldn't have or, or actually got dragged into things or I was uh, I was almost the, uh, you know, I was actually a, a victim of a pedophile, um, but I, uh, I I managed to get away from him. My friend was trapped with the guy. And I, I got my friend out of there by alerting uh, people in the, in the building. And uh, that sort of thing was not uncommon. You know, you'd be standing at a bus stop and, and a guy next to you would scare you so much you'd give him all your money and, and get out of there and just t- walk instead of take the bus, you know, <laughs> uh, or be chased well, by a gang. And so, but I think uh, I try to develop violence so that it's kind of a, a harbinger, a warning. I, 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 I would love to think that some of my books particularly might uh, make make uh, young ladies a little, a little more alert and a little more observant and a little less... Uh, um, trusting of, of people that that have uh, a knack for talking into things that shouldn't be talked into. But your, I, I don't, your violence, I don't glorify, the violence. I don't glorify, I don't glorify the violence. I, I don't put it in there just to have the violence. I try to. Well, there's a couple of reasons you do that. You know, you, if you can't legitimately scare somebody with psychological fear. Then you go for the gross out, which which all writers do, but Stephen King. Um, but I, I I also don't glorify it. I, I try to make the the bad guy turns out in the end to be such a poeny and such a a creep. Um, you know, he's he's nothing to be admired. 
You mentioned a moment ago about uh, trying to direct the young ladies uh, how to conduct them. So that's a difficult thing to do. But your the use of violence in your novels is really kind of a social commentary, isn't it? Oh yeah, it, it, you know our country as uh, as great as it is, as wonderful as it is, uh, you know we we lose more people to uh, Americans killing Americans than anything else. I always I always kid that the Japanese uh, Japanese are bought about 15 of my books and very good money and they uh, they seem to like uh, I, I kid I say they, they, they like Americans watching Americans kill Americans <laughs> uh, uh, but when you think about the, the statistics uh, particularly for a young woman almost every uh, 2020 episode or 48 hours is some young woman that's you know because of their a lack of strength against the guy or ability to fight back. Uh, we have a, a serious problem with uh, women going missing in this country. And, and I, yeah, I do I do like, I'm, I'm kind of like Richard Matheson that way. He, he would wave a flag, a social flag in his writing. Matheson was one of my, one of my writer and heroes. Um, he wrote uh, I Am Legend um, and uh, some of the great books, uh, but he would he would write a short story about uh, um, a Down syndrome kid and locked in a basement, treated like an animal by his parents. And sometimes you have to have this stuff rubbed in there in your face to really get it. You know, I've, I've, I've you know I've, I can recall picking up uh, hitchhikers and, and giving them lectures. And say, you know, you're crazy getting into a stranger's car. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I would. I, th- I think the the boat would probably be more towards you crazy to pick somebody up these days. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this young lady, I, I, I one young lady had a, a knife right handy, and she she made sure I knew it. <laughs> oh, but I, uh, you know, you, you when you're a parent and you see these uh, kids hitchhiking, that this was down in Daytona Beach, and these kids, they're they're Daytona Beach and Hollywood are like a magnet for runaways. And uh, we see a lot of unfortunate stuff. I was down there when uh, Eileen Warnos was running around killing the people that picked her up. <laughs> you know? Well, you missed right. a chance of writing that book, didn't you? Somebody else got that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I want to ask you. You mentioned you mentioned getting into college on the basis of a manuscript. That is pretty doggone good, and I'm sure you're very proud of that. Is there a title to that, and is that manuscript published where folks could could get it today? Matter of fact, I just got the rights back to it, and I put it up on Kindle just a, a week ago. It's called Daniel Webster Jackson, or you can just say Daniel, and the Wrong Way Railway. It's about a kid uh, coming up, uh, coming of age. Um, he grows up, uh, he stumbles on a, a, a backward underground railroad, you know, where the guy's a crook, and he's a... He tells the uh, slaves he's got the Underground Railroad uh, connection, but actually he take, he's taking them further south to sell them. You know? So he stumbles on this whole affair, and uh, and he uh, he helps. Uh, we're, we're, it was actually a, supposed to be a sequel to Huckleberry Finn, and I was just arrogant enough at that age to, to think I could do it. Um, but it's, it's been rewritten in, in quite a few times, and... Now it's uh, it's got a nice cover. My son did a cover art for it, and uh, it's got a new look. Um, and it's taken me quite a few years to get my rights back for that book. Uh, it was being sold by a small publisher up in upstate New York, 
and prior to that, it was published by a, a publisher that went out of business in a hardcover. Hardcovers actually, uh, there, there are only a thousand of them in existence, and so they're like they're like uh, you know, I've seen them sell like seven hundred dollars, crazy. But again, the importance of this, this is your first actual work, and it actually propelled you into college, which is no small thing. Uh, folks, we're here this morning with Robert W. Walker. The book he was just mentioning was Daniel Webster Jackson and the Wrong Way Railway. Uh, that and the newest book in the Instinct series is called The Fear Collectors. Please, while we're on these next few breaks here, go to Amazon and look both of them up, and we will be back with more from Robert W. Walker in just a couple of minutes. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Live closer to your food source. Learn how to grow it yourself. Please join me every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern on America's Homegrown Veggie Show for tips and advice from the country's best gardeners. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's Webradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we are back with the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here on America's Web Radio, and our guest today is Robert W. Walker. Now, Robert, we've been talking about your background and the fact that you got into Northwestern University on a scholarship based on a book that you had written in high school, and that's, that's quite amazing. That launched a career that now has a body of work over 60 novels, a lot of them are in Kindle, but there are others that are actually published through Harper and Collins and places of that nature. But now, uh, you, we mentioned Chicago. You and your family now live in West Virginia. And John Denver wrote a song about that place, and he called it Almost Heaven. Now, does the beauty of an area like that, is that distracting to a writer, or does that actually inspire a writer? 
Well, I think it's inspiring because uh, personally, when I wherever I moved, I've lived in a number of places: Florida, upstate New York, uh, Chicago, of course, and uh, here in West Virginia. Uh, I, I tend to want to set a book in whatever location where I'm at, kind of close to home. And uh, right now we're we're in Hurricane, West Virginia, uh, and uh, I, you know I just the name the names of some of the places here: Scary Creek. Uh, just an, I, I respond to really interesting names. And I was like, oh, I want to use that. <laughs> I want to use that location. If I see a location that's uh, where a character might uh, feel at home, or where a character might feel uh, at uh, at ease, or the opposite. Or, or the give us the name of that. Give us the name of that town again. That's not far outside of Charleston, is it? Hur- hurricane, uh, just like Hurricane. Spelled okay. And nobody seems to know how the, the name came about, but somebody's, somebody will tell you a hurricane came through in the 1800s or something. Somebody else will tell you that, that that's a family name. So I'm not sure I haven't been able to track that down. <laughs> However, okay. uh, it, it's a bedroom community of Charleston. It's between halfway between hurricane, um, halfway between Huntington and uh, Charleston, for those that know the area. Okay, and you find this an inspirational place to to do your work? Yeah, it's quiet out here. Very quiet. Uh, it's uh, like I said, it's more of a, uh, a suburban uh, feel to it. Kind of reminds me of uh, suburban Chicago to some degree. Not quite as okay. as busy. Uh, the food out here is a lot better than it is in the there city. There you go. <laughs> now tell Again, tell us a little bit of. Charleston is a capital, and uh, I don't know, they just don't feed their uh, politicians that well. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your immediate family, that support group that uh, everybody has to have. Uh, my wife is a registered nurse, um, uh, Miranda, and uh, she's actually published a couple of works, too. She's published a book called uh, The Well-Meaning Killer, which was a novel, a uh, crime novel, and uh, I hope there are some... Uh, with the editing, which was great, great story. Um, something she'd been carrying around for a long time, and she finally got. You, do you want to give us a little detail there? Tell us uh, slowly, so the folks can make a note. How? What oh. is? What name does she write under, and what's the title of her book? So uh, Miranda Phillips Walker. Miranda Phillips Walker, and the title is "The Well-Meaning Killer." Um, the uh, the dispo- he disposes of the body in various wells around the the uh, Maryland area. Uh, she spent some time in Baltimore. Um, I met her here in uh, West Virginia when my mom was in the hospital. She's a registered nurse, so we got to talking and we started exchanging correspondence. I, I was single at the time, and um, we, we hit it out very well, and I came to visit, and she came to visit Chicago, and we showed each other the, the sights and sounds. And she, had, uh, uh, she had four children from a previous marriage, and um, I had one, and we emerged. Um, I've been taking care of her, her brood for a while now. The, the four, uh, we've got three of them out of college, out of high school, and now we've got one, one still remaining in high school. Uh, you boys, mentioned a son two that's two a graphic artist. You, you mentioned a son who's a graphic artist. Any of these others that uh, are showing uh, a penchant for writing? Oh, actually, not writing so much art, art, uh, some art, very artistic. Actually, the youngest okay. one, the youngest one has a 
vivid, quite a vivid imagination. <clears throat> and he's always curious about what I'm writing about. He's always pitching, uh, pitching plots to me. You know, it's, uh, it, he's he's into it. Pitching uh, plots. That's a, that's a good. You got to have somebody pitching plots to you. That's that's always yeah, good. What do you think? Wouldn't that be a good story? Yeah, yep. they're all yep. they're all typical kids. They're spending much more time on their telephones than they should. And uh, but the oldest is uh, an incredible artist. She had an art scholarship uh, to Marshall University. Um, just, I'm amazed at what she does. And she she's uh, multi uh, material. I mean, she uses all kinds of material. Uh, she doesn't just stick with uh, drawing and painting. She uses uh, her art to create. Uh, Old cloth, you know, um, dresses and, and clothing, and uh, she's amazing. <clears throat> she's uh, she's graduated college now, and she's looking to go to um, get her PhD in psychology. All things. Wow! Now we mentioned earlier that you teach English. What uh, are the schools? Uh, are you just at a particular school there in West Virginia, or what schools do you teach? Yeah, I'm at uh, West Virginia State University, and that's uh, located at Institute University. Institute is the name of the town, the unincorporated area where the college is. It's a land-grant college. Uh, actually, historically, it was a black college, a black barber college, but it's now it's, now it's a university, and it's really changed its whole appearance. I mean, it's, it's multicultural. Um, nice nice uh, university, particularly for people who... Uh, I want to use it. Uh, um, don't go there from trying to see if they really want to go to college, and it's uh, it's it's almost it's quite well community based historically. And then there's a community college called Bridge Valley here, and I teach there uh, from time to time as well. Uh, Bridge Valley is more the community typical uh, community college, but they they really emphasize health sciences and uh, uh, nursing. Whereas uh, state uh, emphasizes uh, agriculture and technology, uh, but they do have a, a diverse uh, program. In your classes uh, of English, are, are you primarily on the grammar side or the literature side? Well, I teach uh, the you know the, the difficulty uh, people have with writing uh, essays and research papers. But that's my uh, that's my forte. But I do uh, instill a lot of grammar instruction, particularly on the page, and in a holistic fashion. Uh, when they get their papers back, I'll, I'll indicate what one or two uh, mistakes they're making repeatedly, kind of a recidivist problem that they have. Um, most of those are only like 10 mistakes, serious mistakes you can make in grammar. And, and I, I teach them that they're making two or three. That makes them feel better. And then, uh, I'm proficient at all 10. I want everybody to know. That's why I have a group of editors. Um, Now, you must, with all that you produce uh, in the novels and the series and everything that's going on, you must have a particular discipline that you employ. Do you teach this? Uh, What what would be the discipline that you use in order to get out this body of work in such a short period of time? Well, the two things I got from college was how to do research and how to uh, control your time, you know, like manage, time management is so important. Just the other day, uh, you know, I had somebody else take over my class for half an hour, the librarian, 
the plagiarist librarian. <laughs> and she, uh, so she took over the class for half an hour, uh, and I knew what she had to convey and everything because it was really directed to the students. I just pulled out my, the papers I needed to grade, and I got a whole class done graded while she was talking. Uh, and I think a lot of times uh, the uh, people don't use that, that 15 minutes between classes, that 20 minutes uh, in, a, in a doctor's office. Uh, and I, I always carry my papers that I had to read with me every, everywhere I go. Uh, so I get the work done. I think a lot of teachers, uh, uh, they they don't build trust with their students enough to, to allow them to write on uh, write on uh, topics of interest to the student. My first thing is to give them an assignment where they write about their favorite uh, song, uh, their favorite special place in life, uh, their fa- their favorite hobby, you know, favorite things, things that they're they have a, a vested interest in, and um, compare and contrast two songs that they like, you know, their their favorite for the worst, the best, and the worst. And it gets them, uh, you know, it gets it gets some good writing out of them if they're interested in the writing. I'm very happy with oh, I'm results. Sure. With with what you do and all the things that you have to keep uh, track of, all the different characters and nuances that you've got to keep track of, do you uh, teach that a good memory or even a great memory is essential for a writer? Well, I, I do take the books one at a time, so you know I'm not trying to do this crazy thing where you're trying to write two books at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I did try that once. It doesn't work. Um, it's like, read, you know, some people can read four books, five books at a time. Uh, I, I have to read one book at a time. Uh, but uh, I think every everybody thinks differently. Everybody's mind is wired a little differently. There are many oceans. Uh, there's That is, there are many rivers to the ocean. Anyway, I have to find what boat floats. Uh, I try to get my students to think about what works for them. Here's a recipe for getting your essay organized properly. And here's another recipe that, that does the same thing in a different way. Um, and that, that somebody latches on to a compare-contrast essay or somebody latches on to the narrative essay and find out what, what really works for you and, and use, utilize it, you know, put it to work. And, and all your... Because uh, I, I really don't think any, any two of us think exactly alike or, or store information exactly alike. Um, Probably I'm, I'm not. Like, yeah, I think when you... For me, with the characters, I call it fully realized character. That's a character that you feel like you you've lived with. You've spent time there. They're even in the bathtub with you. You know, they're in, when you go to bed at night, you're, you really think about them, and you really think about how they would react to certain circumstances or obstacles or stones that you throw at them. And um, if you really understand the the trait, the bedrock character traits of those people, you understand how they would react to challenges. And so when you come back to them, it's like it's like an old friend that you that you haven't seen for a while, and you just refresh. And your folks, memory. we're going to be we're going to be back here in just a couple of minutes. We're here this morning on the prologue with Robert W. Walker. Uh, we're talking about his great body of work and also his teaching uh, to other writers. So we will be back after these short messages. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. 
Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Michael Gano with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And my name is Doug Dahlgren. We are here on the prologue this morning with Robert W. Walker. Uh, he is a very prolific author, 60 books out, published right now. We've been talking about his other career, where he teaches writing and English to students at uh, West Virginia State University and also at a community college there. Now, Robert, I understand that one of the things that you specialize in is a course on creative writing, uh, and that you actually have a book in Kindle form. Would you tell the folks out there who might be interested in getting a bit of your knowledge what this book is and where they can find it. Yeah, actually, there's two ways to get uh, some tips and uh, practical tips about writing. One is uh, dead is the book uh, Dead on Writing. Dead on Writing, I, I came up with the title after I finished my novel, Dead On. Dead On being a, a noir novel. But I thought, you know, all that I have in my classes, particularly the creative writing class, using imagination, and exaggeration and humor and all the things we shouldn't leave at the doorstep. Uh, I could put into a book form with Kindle. I tried to sell it with a couple of uh, publishers, and uh, I got close, and one of them didn't want me to use my own work as example, but my own work is my best example, you know. So I wanted to keep that. Uh, that Again, the reason to work with Kindle is I can make those decisions on my own. If I if I understand how I do it, then I can tell somebody else how they can do it. I've had great uh, reviews on that book, and people have actually written to tell me that they feel that they couldn't have finished their novel or get it on their way without the help of that book. Uh, dead on writing. The other uh, dead on writing uh, is that mentioned in your website? Uh, yeah, it should be there at the website. Uh, also, it's on the uh, Kindle, Amazon. There's an, also, uh, I, I, have, I maintain actually three Facebooks, and one of them is a regular Facebook where I just shoot off my mouth. The other is uh, a tips, uh, writing tips. Uh, 
it's called it's under Robert uh, uh, Robert W. Walker, and in parentheses R O B Rob, and that that particular Facebook uh, I throw up a lot of stuff about setting and how you set up the characters and how important minor characters are, how I, uh, that sort of thing, and then a lot of that comes out of that book and also my experience. As a writer, if I'm working on something, and I see a particular. Oh, that's you know, that's how I do it. Sometimes I, I don't know how I do it, and then if I get an aha moment, I'll put it up on that Facebook uh, uh, location. Okay, Facebook's a good place, but really your website, and I believe the website is we leave the W out, but it's robertwalkerbooks.com is a yeah. great reference point. That's where somebody can go and, and have information and redirection on how to find everything that you've done. You know, you mentioned the characters and character development. Um, do you do you pattern characters after people that you know specifically? I have. Yeah, I do. Uh, quite often. Actually, quite often my main character is patterned after one of my favorite favorite actors. You know, like... like uh, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, or my with with the Indian ter- Indian books. Um, my Edge book is a main character, the Cherokee Indian detective, um, and I have a uh, paranormal sec- uh, guy with the horror books. It's kind of pattern after Burt Lancaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my favorite old my favorite old actors, uh, Gary Cooper, whomever uh, with. Um, with Jessica, uh, I, I think quite often uh, about um, some of the uh, the leading ladies, and uh, I wanted I want to empower her uh, so that she's she's very strong scientist, and then she gets her back to the wall, and then uh, instinct has to take over. But uh, yeah, I, I, then again, I also will put in characters that I want to. Uh, Embarrass or take uh, take a shot at uh, based on old old jobs, old old bosses. <laughs> you know, I take it these characters don't last very long, do they? Yeah, I, I, sometimes I'll kill them off, and sometimes I make it even worse. <laughs> we <get killed> off. <laughs> well, now when when you're developing a character, have you ever used a family member? Um, you know, sometimes it's a composite composite where you. It, the traits of several people that you know, uh, but family members will often tell me that they recognize themselves when they're completely wrong. You know, they they no no it's the other guy as you you know. <laughs> <laughs> people have a very bad uh, people have such interesting self images. You know, like Trump has such a, a positive self image of himself, and it's it's just kind of funny. I read somewhere I that you used the term yeah, relative, fully, yeah. re- fully realized character. Tell us what you mean yeah. by a fully realized character. I think uh, it's very important, just like the, the term voice uh, narrative, you know, your consistent, consistent voice when your narrator is telling the story. You also have to have a consistently believable character. And the only way to get that, in my mind, is to live with the character for a, a good long time. You know, what I mean by live with them is really give a lot of thought in the preparation uh, and rewriting and proofreading and rewriting and proofreading to get to get that character fully realized. Um, that, that's the term that I use for it. And uh, I, uh, I, I will be showering and thinking about 
this character, and I will be. You know, I've, I've been accused of my, by my first wife of having an affair. So, no, no, I'm just I'm just thinking about my character here. You know, it's not fair. <laughs> and, oh boy! In the biblical sense, <laughs> I might be having an affair. You know, what uh, what Jesus said: if you just uh, lust or you think about the, the, the young woman, then you're you're in trouble. Um, but uh, you know, when when you're spending that much time, you're you know, if you're on a trip, you're on vacation, and you're thinking about this character instead of you know being in the moment with your with your family. Uh, that that happens quite a bit. It's it's hard to live with a writer because the writer's mind is not always present. No, oh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Well, well part of the development. Like, Part of the development yeah. of a character is always in the way they relate to others. In other words, we're getting to characters can be developed through description or they can be developed primarily through dialogue with other characters. Yeah. Something I learned early on in, in writing, somebody said to me, don't tell me, show me. And yeah. I think that was the best advice I've ever received. Uh, talk to me about the interaction of characters in your books, the dialogue. How important is that to you? I see my main character in the, in the center of a web, and all and the web, you know, the closest parts of the web are her closest uh, people, people that call her by her her nickname, people that know her, uh, people that fully realize who she is, um, you know, people that she works with very closely, uh, loved ones uh, in that first web. And, then, and as the web goes out further and further, these are people that she's associated with that she doesn't care for her or she might be having friction with someone uh, and then you get the killer out there on the edge of the web uh, the one that she's chasing you know she doesn't really have a relationship with this guy except for the fact that you know hunter and hunted um, so I, I think I call it the, the uh, character web and your main character at the center the, the story everything uh, everything is impacted uh, by that character and everybody impacts that character it's a two-way street, and when you say characters are built by other characters around them, that's how I see it. And I think it's very, very important that the dialogue between her best uh, she's in the, she's in the lab and her best assistant JT is her closest confidant. You know, she can tell them anything, and they get very personal, and they're very they're just really close friends throughout the whole series. And now that she's no longer in the FBI, because she's gone out to do private consulting, and she's had a lot of bumps and grinds to that point, she still uh, calls JT for uh, help and assistance because he's still connected with the FBI. But they still have this connection. Um, and I think that what you said about dialogue, um, I've had actually in, in conferences where people say, Dialogue stops the action. That that's nonsense. Uh, dialogue is action. Um, what a character says and what a character does is who he is. And so you have all these conversations between her and her closest people. Then you you sense who she is. If people can admire her that much, then the reader can admire her that much. If people think she's made a mistake, then the reader can understand that mistake through the people around her who are concerned about her because she's drinking too much or she's being going through a depressive stage and she needs to see a psychiatrist. And now she's got a relationship with her psychiatrist and she likes the psychiatrist and it saves her. 
We're running, we're running low on the clock here, Robert. Tell us real quick here, uh, what is Robert W. Walker working on now? You mentioned that 61st, 61st book. Tell us real quickly a little bit about it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the, uh, 40, uh, the, the 14th Instinct series title, and I'm, I'm calling it The Devil's Instinct. Uh, almost all the, well, all the Instinct titles have the word instinct in, in them somewhere. I kind of wanted to do some something different with the titles because it's always been two two word titles with the publisher so the first uh, uh, ten books or so were, were with the publisher and the next four I'm, I was done with Kindle and I get to you know uh, have a little fun with the title <clears throat> so I've got the edge of instinct um, the last one I did with the college, with the publisher was uh, uh, entitled uh, absolute instinct so it's always two-word titles, and I kind of get tired of that. So The Edge of Instinct, I thought, was good because I was actually crossing the Edge books with the Instinct books. The characters mesh and work together. So I create this world where they, they actually know each other. Um, oh, yeah. And then I well, listen, went on to, to the Fear Collectors. Let's, let's tell like the listeners title. out there, what, can we tell the listeners real quick now? We're running out of time where they can go to find Robert W. Walker's books. Let's give them that website again, please. Yeah, the website is uh, Robert Walker, dropping the W, robertwalkerbooks.com. Okay, uh, and there's also three uh, Facebook pages. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, all right, very good. Well, I hate hate cutting this short, but we are getting uh, real low on the time here. We're going to have to... Let the station manager transition to his next program. Listen, Robert, I thank you so much. There's been a lot of good information about you and your books that we put out today. I know that readers, potential readers, and writers also uh, will get a lot from this, and hopefully they'll look up uh, all the information you've provided to us. And, folks, there you have had it, okay? Go ahead, Robert. Would you get something to say? Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, You can always find me on Amazon and Google. I have a lot of free articles up on Google uh, uh, on writing. Okay. All right. Well, we, we will definitely have the folks look for that. And audience, there you go. Oh, absolutely a pleasure. Uh, like I said, there you have it. Uh, those who did not know about this accomplished author, Robert W. Walker, you have now been introduced. The next step is yours. I want you to go to the website, get on Amazon. By all means, order those books. Folks, I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the prologue. Send me an email. Uh, The information about that's on the webpage up there. So hope we'll see you again in just 167 hours. Have a great week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.